0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome into Behind the Bench. It's presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Glad to have you with us this week as we continue to profile different members of the St. Louis Blues organization that have either played a role, not just on the ice, but either behind the bench in some way, shape, or form, or in a front office capacity. And I know, over the look, we've had Bobby Plager on several times uh, to talk whether it it was about Scotty Bowman or whether it was about... Uh, red Berenson or whomever Al Arbor was another one. And we talk a lot about Bobby because he was a part of the organization really from the very beginning. Well, the next closest thing to Bobby from a St. Louis blues standpoint is Bruce Affleck. Bruce Affleck has been a part of the organization since he broke into the national hockey league and in one shape or form has done everything from selling tickets to being president of the St. Louis blues. So tonight here on the boardwalk, hardwood floors behind the bench show, we profile what has been a terrific career and continues to be a terrific career with the St. Louis Blues in former defenseman Bruce Affleck. Bruce joining us live here on the program tonight. Bruce, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How about yourself? I, I, I'm doing well as well. Uh, you know what? It's It's interesting when you sit back and... You go okay. I want to profile different people and maybe bring some people that they have fans haven't heard from in a while since we've got a bunch of new hockey fans too. Probably, you know, on different things. And and you you sit there and go, wow. Like Bruce Affleck has really done a whole hell of a lot here over a, a, a 30, 40 year period. Have you sat back sometimes and looked at all the different roles you've held with this team?
1: I have the odd time. Uh, some might say I can't keep a job, right? Or or find value in another role. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, it's been uh, a blessing, obviously, but uh, it's it's been a a long ride, uh, an enjoyable one. And certainly with what happened last year, finally, they're very successful. So Uh, I can't complain. And, you know, uh, when I was retired from hockey and. was working in St. Louis in the real estate business. I thought that was it for the rest of my life. Never thought I'd be back to work for the Blues, so things can change.
0: Well, let's let's kind of go back a little bit more to the beginning. Uh, you, you joined the Blues in 74-75, but you were originally drafted by the California Golden Seals into the National Hockey League, so it was a trade that brought you to St. Louis. Now, a couple weeks ago, we talked with Red Berenson, and at the time when when he was playing, and we're talking the late 50s, he made the decision— to go the college hockey route. Okay, you grew up in, in the Penticton area. What made you decide in the early 70s to go the college hockey route?
1: Well, two things. One, my um, mother was a school teacher,
0: so you can see the influence uh, there. Yep. Uh,
1: <laughs> and then the other was um, it was interesting. My dad was from Scotland, not a big hockey fan, but he got to enjoy the game. And he called a Vancouver scout at the time, just out of the blue. Uh, and just said, what would you do uh, my son, I guess, has these opportunities to play Tier 1 junior or go to college? And the scout said, you didn't hear this from me, but tell him to go to college. Hmm. So those two things really influenced me. And then also another guy that uh, was from Penticton, Eddie Hayes, had gone to the University of Denver. So uh, I'd never played with Eddie. And, uh, he was a couple years older. And so he was in uh, Denver, and uh, their coach recruited me. And I went down. And, Yep, this is it for me.
0: Okay, is it true that really at the time you were thinking I'll go play four years of college hockey and then and then become a teacher? Like, like at that point in time, really a pro career wasn't even something that w- you were thinking about.
1: No, nope, wasn't thinking about it at all. Uh, four years of college, and my goal at the time was to actually put hockey in school in Canada. It would never work, but that was
0: my goal <laughs> at the time. Well, <laughs> so what what changed? What, what happened that, that put you on the map all of a sudden to a pro career?
1: Uh, freshman year, um, we went to the uh, NCAA finals, the Frozen Four, and I had a pretty good tournament. And all of a sudden, people were starting to talk to me and you know, agents and that type of thing and other people and saying, you're going to get drafted in this round or whatever it was. And that was the first time I'd even thought about it. And then so my uh, sophomore year was my draft year. And again, I'd, more agents coming my way, and you know, talking to me and saying, "Hey, come with me," type of thing. And I'm going, "Is this really going to happen?" I don't know, right? But it happened. And so uh, I had an agent, and I decided I wanted to turn pro right away. The WHA was in uh, vogue also at the time, and I didn't think I was going to get a better opportunity than go pro at that time after two years of college. And, obviously Murray Armstrong our coach at Denver was not too happy with me but uh, I ended up leaving and signing with the um, California Golden Seals
0: nowadays a coach would be just fine if uh, a player gives him 2 years of college hockey right you know right. versus versus leaving what was it like at that point in time to be a second round draft pick in the NHL but also a first round draft pick in the WHA
1: uh, that was a supplemental draft in the WHA so This goes way back. Uh, Bill Deneen, if you remember the name, of course, the hockey family, uh, got screwed over a little bit by Rudy Pillis. Keep that name in mind. Okay. Time goes on and Bill Deneen going to be a coach in the WHA. Um, oh, back up. Sorry. Uh, so Pillas was in Brandon at the time. Now junior and tier one junior. And if I played tier one junior, I couldn't play college. So, uh, my rights are right with New Jersey. I mean, that New uh, Westminster. Right. And Pillis uh, called and said, would you be interested in coming to Brandon? Because I had a friend playing there from uh, in Brandon from Penticton. And I said, well, I'll listen to anything. And he made the trade. And, of course, I never went. And Deneen was the one who told me to, you know, make sure you say you're thinking about it. Right. <laughs> and so, so the supplemental draft came up in the WHL and Bill Deneen selected me. That was my payback.
0: How did you um, did Did you feel like you you had a choice to make between the WHA and the NHL at the time?
1: No, at the time I, I was only thinking NHL. Um, but, you know, that was the ultimate goal. And if I couldn't do it, then I'd maybe look at the WHA. But you know, at the time, no, I, I was going NHL all the way.
0: We're talking with uh, Bruce Affleck uh, about his uh, long career as a member of the Blues organization, all the way from being a player through the role as president of the team as we uh, continue our profiles here on our Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench program. and uh, All right, so so you go from University of Denver and you end up uh, joining the California Gold, uh, Seals, the Golden Seals, you end up playing a few games in Springfield, then, then out in Salt Lake. Uh, what was it like to finally get the call after you were traded to St. Louis to know uh, you were going to get to put on an NHL uniform?
1: Uh, if I can, let me back up to my draft this yeah. summer. So at the time, the California Golden Seals were owned by the NHL. So I had to come to St. Louis to sign my contract because the secretary of the NHL at the time was a guy by the name of Jim Cullen, who was also the lawyer for the St. Louis Blues. So I come to St. Louis. Gary Young is the uh, general manager at the time of the California Golden Seals. And my agents and I meet at the arena, the old arena, upstairs with Gary Young and Jim Cullen. We're sitting there talking, kind of hashing out the last-minute details, bonuses and things of this nature. The telephone rings. Of course, no cell phones or anything back then or computers. Jim Cullen goes up to the wall and answers the phone. And uh, says, the phone calls for you, Gary. Gary Young, general manager of California Golden Seals. Gary Young takes the call, hangs, hangs the phone up pretty loudly, and he swears. <laughs> and we, we all look at him. What's wrong? Ron Chipperfield just signed with the World Hockey Association. He was drafted ahead of me. So now I'm their top draft choice left. Wow. <laughs> my, my agent looks at me and says, I think we need to go outside.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. So the, the, at that point, you, you're that close to signing, and like, nope, some new negotiations need to start.
1: <laughs> right. Wow. So, anyways, we agreed to it. I'm walking out of the building, and this is not a, a lie. Sid Solomon third is there, and he knows my agent. And he looks at me and says, You'll be here by Christmas. I look at him, and, you know, I'm 19 years old at the time. I'm going, What's he talking about? What? I mean, I want to play for the California Golden Seals, you know, da da da. And sure enough, I got traded here. Uh, I had a $20,000 bonus payment January 4th. So they waited till after Christmas to get me.
0: <laughs> so, do you think they had a deal in place for you, Bruce? Or is it, is it something that uh, Sid Solomon had already talked to the yeah. NHL and kind of knew that, okay, we'll get him here, but we'll let somebody else pay that bonus? I, yeah, I don't know. I never wow. you know. Yeah, pretty crazy, huh? Here's a here's a question for you. When I look up the trade that that brought it, it so traded to California's traded from California Seals <laughs> to St. Louis Blues for Frank Spring and cash. By cash. any chance, did you ever find out how much cash that was?
1: i i' heard. I don't know for a fact. Yeah, I'd heard it was like twenty
0: thousand dollars. Gotcha. All right. Well, it's better than a box of pucks, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm going back then. Uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're yeah. We're talking, we're talking with Bruce Affleck here, uh, who began his uh, NHL career with the St. Louis blues and, you know, spent the first five years uh, of his career with St. Louis. And, uh, what was it, what was it like coming in, in the early seventies? And you and I talked, I think it might've been about a week or so ago when I was uh, looking up some stuff on, on Al Arbor. And I realized, Holy smokes. In, in like your first three years, you played for four different coaches.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, somewhat crazy to say the least um and you know what's interesting you know I talked about Gary Young being the general manager of uh, the Oakland or California Golden Seals. I came here and he, now he's the coach in St. Louis and uh he's a you know God rest his soul he's a was a weird bird and we did some strange things and uh you'd go into his office and you'd have candles going and the lights were off and on your birthday he would hand you a card with five dollars in it and uh, I mean, I could go on and some of these. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, one time we're in L.A., and he made us wear other guys' jerseys for the pregame skate. He wanted to screw up the people, scouts from L.A. But uh, you don't know who Red Barrington is. Back then, I don't know. Some of us weren't wearing helmets.
0: Right. you really
1: think this is going to screw up their scouting of us? <laughs>
0: he did some crazy stuff. Wow. It was it was kind of a he, d- despite the the great start of the franchise and going to the Stanley Cup final in each of those first 3 years. This was the time that you were part of the St. Louis Blues in those early 70s, early to mid 70s was was really one of those the first real transition times of the franchise, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, it was a it was a tough time. Uh, and I think the Solomons probably had lost some money, and it wasn't quite the same as, you know, obviously the first three years, as you mentioned, going to the Stanley Cup finals and the way they treated uh, the players and, um, you know, everything they did, the building was getting, there was somebody painting in that building 24 7, 365 days a year. Just the way they look after everything. You've heard about the trips to Florida and things right. of that nature. But it got to the end of it, and they didn't have the money really to compete in that business anymore. And that's what uh, really brought it down. But Sid, the fourth or third, pardon me, uh, you know, ego obviously with these owners, and he wanted to call the shots. I remember one time in Washington, uh, in between the second and third period, Gary Young was a coach, and Sid Solomon's walking down to tell him who to play in the third period. It was just a little different. It was kind of the tail end and, uh, you know, a lot of changes going on, as you said, with the coaches and everybody else.
0: Right. Uh, When you get through those first few years, then they have the big draft where they end up with with Bernie Federico and Brian Sutter. Could you see some of the turnaround coming?
1: Yes. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the loss of gas off is in there, too. Right. One that time, but um, you know, Bernie was the type of guy who was hurt his first training camp, so you really didn't get a chance to see what he could do. And he, as we all know, he's one of those guys that you look at him and you go, "You can't play. He's not fast. You know, he's not big. He's not tough. He's not." And you go at the end of the game, and you go, "He's got a goal and two assists. What happened? How did that happen? Where was he? <laughs> you know?" And so. Obviously, you got to learn that. And, then, of course, having Brian on your wing, he's going to push you a lot. And uh, I mean, there's no way Brian started scoring as many goals as he does without Bernie Federico. Right. He wasn't that talented. I mean, he worked hard. Don't get me wrong. He's a great captain and everything else. But without Bernie Federico, he's just not. He doesn't get that.
0: Well, Bruce Affleck not only was a defenseman for the St. Louis Blues, uh, but one of the roles he had was as a broadcaster as well. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get into uh, how things transition from being a player with the Blues to what's led to an amazing career the the rest of the way through, including some of the the time behind the microphone. We'll bring you back in a moment. You're listening to the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench show right here on the Home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. welcome back into the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Kerber with you here on a Wednesday night here on 101 ESPN, the home for St. Louis Blues hockey. Hey, remember, the home show sale's still going on right to the end of the month The Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed, wide plank, and more. Visit one of the show-homes in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's, or online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and better service. During the pause in the NHL season, we still call it a pause. I guess we should hope that that is what it eventually is. We've been profiling different members of the Blues organization for some of the earlier days. And this week, we're hanging out and talking with Bruce Affleck, who is, as I've mentioned in the onset, anything from a defenseman all the way up to president of the team. And, Bruce, before we get into the transition, you mentioned something in the, in the last segment um, in, uh, in terms of the early days. What, what impact did the accident with Bob Gasoff have on you? Me personally? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, quite a bit. Um, People may not know, but I was in front of him on another motorcycle. So I was very close to the situation. Um, So I was the one who went back to his body and figured out what had happened, obviously. Uh, Personally, it had a huge impact, not just uh, losing a teammate and friend. Uh, You know, his wife was pregnant at the time. So just a lot of things going around that. It was Memorial Weekend. And I think this is a strange thing to remember, but I remember the next day we were going to some friend's place for a party and I agreed to show up for a little bit. Um, And it was one of those things where I could drink as many beers I wanted to, and I wasn't going to be drunk. You know, I was still in shock. Right. And uh, I was probably that way for a few days, but um, obviously you get over things and you have to get back to what I'll call normal. Um, But the, uh, I think team-wise, we lost our toughest guy. And back then, tough had a lot to do. It became hockey, and he was one of the toughest guys I ever saw. And uh, we got taken advantage of the next year. <laughs> a little payback.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it wound up being one of the early tough things that the organization had to deal with and go through, wasn't it?
1: It, it certainly was. And, uh, you know, it happened out at a lot of not on his farm, but out by Gary Younger's place. Right. And, uh, you know, they take him to the hospital and the Solomons come out and, uh, you know, all the guys were there from the party. And, uh, it's one of those sad situations where everybody was blaming themselves for having Bobby there. I mean, even the Solomons, uh, Mr. Solomon third was blaming himself for drafting him. Yeah. I mean, just and it just wow. was so surreal. And, uh, I mean, I knew he was dead on sight. uh, there was no way he was going to live so it was really a tough situation and then some drama around it that happened you know at the time and the kid who was in the car that hit him was you know actually working the party and was going to the store to get some some supplies it was just it was a strange strange night
0: was it one of those situations where it it just was time that uh helped heal
1: that's the only way yes i mean there's Remembered remember every Memorial weekend, obviously, uh, still very good friends with his wife, Diane, and uh, her husband, of course, Steve Orr. So, uh, you know, it's reminded. And, of course, his son, Bobby, we all know what, right. what a Amazing young man he is. And, oh, fantastic. You know, Navy, former Navy SEAL. I say former, I think he's still doing stuff for him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just a great kid to be around. And uh, we had one time, uh, I was doing the... Uh, in between periods, at one point, and uh, Bobby was at the game, and he came down to the studio, and he says, "Hey, you got a minute to talk?" So we went up to my office, and I had the game on the TV, but he, I know, could see he wanted to talk, and he really wanted to talk about what happened that night and what his dad was like, mm-hmm. and things of that nature. The two of us are bawling our eyes out, and I look up, and there's like about two minutes left in the period. I got to get back and figure out who I'm going to interview and keep myself together for wow. this interview on TV, and, uh, but, you know, obviously I've become very close with him.
0: What was your transition like uh, from a player? You, you said that after you retired, you went into the real estate business for, for a little while, and then what brought you back to hockey?
1: Yeah, so I've been working in the real estate business uh, the last couple of years I was playing hockey. Uh, We've gone to Switzerland for a while and then to Indianapolis for one year, and we actually thought about moving this real estate company that I was working for to Indianapolis and starting up a, an office there. It was a corporate relocation office. Things didn't work out the way we thought. So I came back here and I went to work for him and uh, was named manager of the office after a couple of years and thought, okay, I'm here for life. And I got a call from Susie Matthew. I'd worked with a couple of players and coaches and getting them houses. And uh, she said, have you got time to come down and meet with Jack Quinn? I said, uh, sure. thinking, you know, maybe it's another trade or whatever it might be. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I meet with Jack, and he goes, uh, we'd like to offer you a job as a sales manager and what I'll call part-time uh, color man on the radio with Dan Kelly. Well, I said, okay. He said, have you thought of numbers or what You know, what's the deal is? And he said, yes. And so he told me, and I said, well, Jack, I appreciate it very much. Uh, I will have, Hopefully I can take a couple of days to think about this and get back to you. To do that, he said. I'm going on vacation uh, tomorrow, but uh, let me know. And that's where it started, and that's I got back there.
0: So, uh, was it the lure to come back into hockey? What, what was it that said, uh, just the opportunity that, that made you decide this is what I want to do?
1: It, no question, the opportunity to get back involved in hockey. Um, you know, I it was more money at the time, uh, have family of two kids, and basically. I don't say broke, but pretty broke, and uh, you know wasn't making much money. Obviously, in the uh, the miners, and uh, I had an agent that took my money all the the stories. But um, one of those things where the opportunity fell in my lap, and I had to take it. And now, you know, also being able to do the color with Dan Kelly. I mean, does it get any better than that? Well, it does if you're working with Chris Kerber. (laughs) But I mean, does it get any better than Dan Kelly? You know, doing that, and I, I had the opportunity to. I'm the only one. There's your trivia question. I'm the only one who's worked with all three Kellys as a color man in hockey.
0: That's true. I, I, yeah. I did not know. I did not know the answer to that. That that, that you had done that. Yeah. That's well. I knew you did with yeah. with Dan, but um, yeah. I had I really didn't connect all three together on that. What was it like for you to step into the booth with him? <laughs> well, Dan, Dan Staff? Senior. I
1: said, "Yeah." I said, he goes, "Aren't you Bruce Staff?" No, he goes, didn't you used to be Bruce Affleck? I said, yeah, I guess I did. (laughs) They're putting me in my place right now, right? It was, uh, well, first of all, they uh, handed me a microphone, basically, and that was it. Dan said, here's the deal. I talk whistle to whistle. When the stoppage of play, you talk. Don't interrupt me. You know, things have changed, obviously, with TV and, you know the way it goes now that so you knew where you stood and I found myself at first just listening to him and how easy it seemed to do what he was doing and the picture he was painting and he finally had to say to me Bruce we need your opinions we need you know input (laughs) and so it was it was a great experience um obviously one of the best broadcasters ever so uh to say i was uh, a part of him at some point is quite an honor.
0: Now i talked to Joe Micheletti and you know he he told some stories about his first you know couple years with Dan Kelly and what it was like to work with him and 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 the demand that he had on the quality of, of that broadcast did you experience yep. the same thing?
1: Oh yes. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know if you were going i don't think you're ever going to be up to his level. But he wanted to make sure you were working on it. And I remember one time too saying, Look at I know you're you know, I ran the sales department. You gotta get away from it game day. You gotta start to focus more. And he was right. And just, you know, learning the job and what I was doing. And I'll never forget, this is the first year I'm working with him working with him. We're doing a game in Philly. I'll say it's game four or five of the season, somewhere around there. Uh, I think it was game four. And uh Mike Keenan is coaching the Philly. So we're going in to see Mike Keenan after the morning skate. Dan, who's you know, obviously well-known, uh, respected around the league, goes to Mike. He goes, Mike, uh, who's your starting goalie tonight? And Mike goes, you know, Dan, I'm just not quite sure what we're going to do tonight. And Dan and Kelly looks at Mike Keenan in different language than I'm going to say. You've got to be kidding me. I know who's pitching game four of the World Series tomorrow? You're not know, going to tell me he's playing in Game 4 of the uh, National Hockey League? And he another walked out the door and left me there with Keenan. The <laughs> what do I do? I said, I looked at Mike and I said, I guess I won't ask you who's starting the goal, huh? And I walked out the door. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew what type of guy he was. <laughs>
0: how, how did it uh, what what eventually led to the transition to the TV side?
1: Oh, just, you know, Nicoletti ended up going to New York and uh, just I was doing, in, you know, we were doing simulcasts back then, right? So when it came to TV, and it was Dan and uh, and um, Ken Wilson, and I would do in between periods, and so that's how that got started. And then uh, unfortunately, Dan passed away, and uh, John came in, Ken, you know, um, et cetera And it just kind of one thing led to another, and then Micheletti left and went to New York, and that's when I had my opportunity.
0: Do you have a couple of uh, favorite broadcasting moments?
1: Oh, I I think my top one is we're in Toronto and uh, the old Maple Leaf Garden. Back then it was just a gondola type atmosphere with a little wall in between you and who's ever next to you. And uh, Dan is uh, obviously play-by-play. Jim Jackson's an engineer, and I'm to the right of Dan. And on my right side, Just around this little six inch wall is Ron Karan. We are playing terrible and we are stuck in the Maple Leaf zone. Cannot get the puck out. And Karan is going crazy, screaming at the crowd and at the people and standing up and ready to throw things. And I am laughing so hard, (laughs) I can't talk. I put the mic down on the desk. And Dan is now starting to laugh. And he can't do the play by play he's looking at me like and I'm just howling and finally the puck Gino Cavallini dumps the puck into the crowd and Dan can't say you know to go to break this is St. Louis Blues hockey he can't say it and he's looking at me like you say it and I'm laughing I can't say it either and finally Dan goes and that's insane you know one of these (laughs) <laughs> and he couldn't finish it we went to break <laughs> it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life
0: well and yeah. listen I, I think it's fair to say then at this point to the fans that uh, that well you because you, you've you done a couple of games with me so in that sense you you might have done games with just about every play-by-play guy that has ever worked for the Blues uh, a couple of guys feeling uh you might not have done any with Eli Gold. No. Okay. And he, but he did um, the one year, you know, and then yep, there was JP
1: telecamera. Camera.
0: JP, right?
1: Yep. Um, oh, uh, the guy from Channel Thirty, the sports guy. Um, oh, what's his name? Um, can't think. Of his name. Rich Gould.
0: Rich Gould. He, wow. He
1: did one game. Yeah. Yeah. So Chicago Stadium. There was a big fight between uh, KMOX X and KPLR Channel 11. And uh, they X didn't want Rich Gould on KMOX, X. So whatever happened, I can't remember. So anyways, I worked with Gould, and he knew nothing about hockey. Admitted it. <laughs> but KPLR is making him do this game. I have a sheet of paper that says offside, uh, icing, uh, penalty, Uh, You know, all these different things. So I can point to it when the play happens, and he can say, Oh, that's offside against the St. Louis Blues. (laughs) Oh, that's to (laughs) against.
0: Oh, that's outstanding. Well, (laughs) folks, as as we talk it over with Bruce Affleck, go ahead, Bruce. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I was going to say, one other uh, John Kelly and I are doing the game, but we're playing over in uh, Germany uh, for the, uh, I can't remember what the name of the cup was, but um, uh, so we're going to do the game from. It's a preseason game in Germany. And we get up there, the engineer, you know, he can't make things work. So we had to do the game on the telephone. And we had to pass the telephone back and forth to each other when we did the game. You know, John would do the play-by-play, hand it to me. I'd make my comment. I'd hand it back to John, do the play-by-play or make a comment, and then hand it back to me. That was the whole game.
0: Wow. From Germany on top of it. Yep, from Germany. Well, I had you. You did color for me in one game, and I started to feel really sick. I had to leave the booth, and here it is. You hadn't been on the air in quite a while, and you're doing the play-by-play now. (laughs) That's right.
1: And and the blue team uh, drops the puck, and uh, they dump it into the white team's. Yep.
0: (laughs) Listen, uh, in the minor leagues, I had to do. Obviously, you did all those games by yourself. So the ability to actually feel sick and be able to walk out of the booth and know somebody was there to call the game you know, yeah, is, was, 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 was nicer than one of the times I've <laughs> like, like twice in the minor leagues, I kicked myself off the air. I just shut the broadcast down. We couldn't, no, no, nothing else, nothing you could do about it. We're talking with Bruce Affleck, a, a, of course, a longtime St. Louis blue executive, a former blues defenseman as well. And uh, when we come back, Bruce has held some front office roles, including president of the hockey team and, uh, and, and helped manage, uh, really the Blues through what was the transition that eventually led to where the team is right now at, at the top of the heap. So we're, we're going to talk that over with Bruce Affleck when we come back. Our final segment with him on our Boardwalk Hardware Floors Behind the Bench show coming up next here on 101 ESPN. And welcome back in again here on a Wednesday night to our Boardwalk Hardware Floors Behind the Bench shows. Uh, we're kind of going through the uh, long career of Bruce Affleck uh, with the St. Louis Blues. And, uh, you know, Bruce, eventually the decision was made because you had – You had a role, you continued in in your role as as a director of sales and broadcasting, where eventually that got split up, and and you you eventually then were solely on the sales side of things, and that just continued the focus on the business side of your career, didn't
1: it? It did. Uh, So this is when Bill Laurie owned the team, and I was, uh, as you mentioned, VP of sales, and traveling with the team doing the broadcast, and I don't know if you have Mark Sauer coming into my office, and... Uh, Jim Woodcock and saying you need to make a decision well, you got to do one or the other but you know you're gone too much to be vice president of sales um, and so one or the other and we'll work something out so you're compensated maybe not totally wholly but somehow but at the time two kids in school and uh, college etc and uh, I needed the security so I ended up going with the business side and it was you know paying me more, and I had them you had the benefits also, so I ended up doing that and uh that was I guess two thousand I think twenty years ago, so yeah, um yeah, it was a nice run, but uh I could understand that you know, I guess I should be in the office once in a while, although I did sell a sweep one time in South Beach from the pool,
0: so you can do it <laughs> all right tell that story <laughs> tell what you can well, of that story
1: yeah it uh. I ended up selling a suite, a five-year deal uh, from the pool in South Beach. Uh, so when we, we used to travel. Um, I to, we didn't charter as much. But even if we did, uh, we had to. We could stay wherever you wanted. The hotel didn't have to stay at the team hotel. So I had all the broadcasters down to South Beach. And we stayed at a hotel down there and uh, did a little work on the computer and sold it. And I took a picture of, my feet, the computer, and the pool in the background, and the ocean. Just said, "Yep, you can truly work from here."
0: <laughs> you know, knowing that now, it almost sounds like oh, like th- that should be like a be almost considered a vintage Bruce Affleck deal now at this point, right? <laughs> that's right. You know, that's a. Uh, what was what was the process like for you though, as, as you've gone through different ownerships and whatever, and and it, it transitions from the. Laurie ownership group to the Dave Checkett's ownership group to the Tom Stillman ownership group and, and, and just kind of maneuvering through those, those three different uh, approaches, maybe philosophies, different people to work for over the course of, and it didn't take long. I mean, th- that all happened really over the course of, of, of a 10 year period, like not an easy thing to necessarily traverse.
1: No, and, you you know, whenever there's a change in ownership, they usually like to try and bring somebody in on their side, I'll say, you know, whether it's finance guy, sales guy, whatever it might be. So you're always concerned about your job. And so, you know, uh, Bill Laurie was the the owner, and, you know, he was a hands-off on the business side. Mark Sauer ran the show. Uh, Everything was running smoothly. He was losing a lot of money, unfortunately. And uh, got some bad advice, you know, when selling the team, you know, the pronger deal, et cetera. Everybody can go through it. But, it, you know, he, he had the deep pockets and uh, could have survived. But, you know, we were losing money. And until we had a CBA, it was going to stay that way. Uh, so it was a different transition uh, going in. And then, you know, we'd heard so many stories about what was going to happen. So many buyers came in and did their due diligence. And we had to talk to them all. So, you know, you're talking to three, four different buyers and what their plans might be and you know what they want to do and you, you never knew if you were going to be a part of it you know because they would take their own people in so and then the threat of moving the team came in too so it was a tough transition and finally check its uh, group bought it and uh it was kind of interesting because uh mike mccarthy who you know too chris yep uh, came up to me and said uh hey we just want you to know uh, this is later on after they were getting it, but, uh, we're not naming you general manager. And I said, well, I appreciate that, Mike. I don't think I'd applied for it, but, um, uh, he said, no, I just thought you might be interested in the job. I said, I guess I would be, but I can understand that, you know, I don't have any, <laughs> any, uh, uh, past work <laughs> at that position. Uh, I've been following the t- league, but that's about it. So he said, well, we're going to bring in JD. That was the first time I'd heard that. So, right. uh, you know, uh, once that happened, that was kind of a nice transition. And again, there, uh, you know, um, they wanted to make some of their own changes, obviously finance and some other things. And so you just never knew what would happen. And then, of course, uh, with Tom taking over in his group, I'd known Tom uh, for, for a while. He'd skated with the alumni, so I was in touch with Tom quite a bit during that time uh, to come in. And take ownership or take over the the group. So, um, was aware, of, you know, what he was going to do, and uh, obviously we saw what happened. And things worked out great.
0: Yeah, you know, and and then one of the chances, I guess, and, and this is something that when we've talked to other guys that have been a coach, maybe or or stuff, you, you can talk about stuff that that fans maybe can relate to. But trying to. In in those first couple of years, and I'm I am make sure that I say this. I am the one saying this. I am not putting words into Bruce Affleck's mouth here. So I am I am the one saying <laughs> this. Okay, um, you had a difficult job to do to transition from the way the business was run under Dave Chakits's group to transitioning to how you know some of the some of the adjustments that needed to be made for Tom Stillman. and and I cannot imagine. How difficult that process had to be at times. What was it like for you personally, though, to have to do that from now a leadership role? Whereas, you know, before you, were, a lot of these people either a you were working with them, working right alongside of them. The whole aspect of it could be kind of daunting at times.
1: Yes, it could. Um, but we knew, you know, going in, as I mentioned, Tom and I had had a number of conversations, and we knew kind of what had to be done to be able to survive. Uh, you couldn't survive the way its group was running it. He knew that. Sorry, he had to get out. Um, they were paying certain people New York salaries. You know, we're in the Midwest. We, don't, we can't compete with New York. Uh, so we had to make a number of cuts to get, you know, the revenue, I mean, the um, liability side uh, down on the ledger and, you know, try and, make this thing work. And um, obviously we had to raise ticket prices, some other things to increase uh, that side of it. But it it was a tough deal. And you're right. Um, A number of people that I knew and worked with, we had to let go. But it was something that we knew before Tom took over uh, that had to be done. So it wasn't something that came as a shock. I don't think it was a shock to a lot of the people. Uh, The stories have been out there about how much the team had lost. So uh, it's just a tough thing to go through. And, it uh, you know, uh, you got to do it. And the times we're in today, you know, obviously with the virus and people and things what's going on, it's a tough time. But hopefully you can get through it and get stronger.
0: Do you look back on that time as president of the team with a certain level of pride in what you helped manage it through?
1: I did. You know, uh, certainly as you, you look back and you say, okay, what could you have done differently? Certainly there's some things. But – the change from checkups Group to the end of year one was, I'll say, mammoth in the sense of cutting expenses and growing income. And it started to go in the right direction. So, and you know, the new CBA was coming in. So there was, you know, started to be uh, shared monies and some other things, and you had to grow your business and be part of that. So all that came at the right time for Tom and his group. And uh, without it, I don't think Tom would have gotten involved. It had to, you know, come around to that for St. Louis to be able to compete, and that's the only way we can compete. And it pays off with the Stanley Cup last year, and what you know, great job Zimmerman's done, and Chap and yourself and everybody else get to there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it.
0: We're talking with Bruce Affleck here on tonight's uh, Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. A uh, quick note for you, the home show sale is going on now at all Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed, wide plank, and more. Visit one of the showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's, or online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. From a From a big-picture standpoint, Bruce, as we've talked over this hour from knowing just about every ownership group that the blues have had working for, uh, for all the different ones that you have and seeing where the franchise is now. And I know it's maybe a little bit of an easier question because the team had just won a Stanley cup. Right. But do you feel that the St. Louis blues are in as good a shape and good a position now as they have ever been?
1: Without a doubt, without a doubt. And whether it's on the ice, off the ice, um, I don't think you could ask for this team to be in a better place. And again, I'm going to uh, mention Chris Zimmerman and what he's put together. And I'm sure there's a, you know a hundred people under him, but he's the one who put it together in the re- you know the building. It looks like a brand new building, a totally different building. I mean, just everything that has gone on in the last few years to see where this team is and how it is financially, and you know, it, it's just it's the best it's been. In the previous what, 46 years or 45 years before Tom's group, nobody made any money. I mean, there was millions and millions and millions and millions lost running this hockey club. And this group has turned it around and is on the positive side, both on and off the ice. So without a doubt, it's in the best place it's ever been.
0: Well, and then the adding to your resume never seemed to change. Now, in your role as as director of alumni affairs and, and executive vice president for the team as well, what's the process been like for you to, to continue to manage the relationship as the spectacular alumni group here in St. Louis continues to build alongside the franchise?
1: Well, again, being involved in the game somewhat, even though it's a bunch of old guys, it can be a lot of fun. Um, you know, the events we put on and everything like that, but it's just a way to stay connected somewhat and, uh, you know, make sure everybody's doing well and, you know, putting back into the community, which has been so good to the former players. So uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of work sometimes, but, you know, well worth it. And, uh, you know, it goes back to when Shanahan owned the team. That's when we started the Alumni Association and Mike Shanahan donated donated $10,000 to us to get us started and off the ground and
0: It's been pretty strong ever since. And you guys do still play a massive role in the community, don't you?
1: We're we're involved quite a bit. I just got a call uh, actually yesterday uh, from one of the sales guys, Mike Hanlon, saying, hey, we've got a season ticket holder. Uh, You know, this is the stuff that goes on behind the scene. Right. We've got a season ticket holder who's uh, sick. I'm just wondering if the guys could leave me a voice message. I don't want to say who it is. Just say, hey, uh, You know, this is Bruce Affleck from the St. Louis Blues. Just wanted to say, get well wishes out to you, and hopefully everything going better. Uh, Go Blues. You know, that type of thing. And I sent an email out to all the alumni, and Mike emails me back like an hour later. And seven guys had already left a message. Wow. So, I mean, it's that type of thing that, you know, it's great to be able to do that, too.
0: Well and and I was talking to Glenn Healy when the All-Star game was in town and you guys had that great event over at Anheuser-Busch with the Hall of Famers and, and just the amount of alumni that showed up and from an NHL standpoint to, from an NHL alumni standpoint they they were trying to write their own ship and they've looked at what you guys have done in St. Louis is something spectacular. He looked at that event and he honestly got he says to me he goes good luck Florida on topping what you guys are doing here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It, 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 it was a, it's going to be tough for Florida to top that. And I've talked to Randy Moeller, who runs Arrow alumni there, and has to do the color too. He, I know he does the play-by. No, he's doing color. right? Yeah, yeah, he's right? back he, on TV, right, right, yeah, right? Yeah, he's the only former player ever to do play-by-play. I think, isn't he?
0: I believe so. Oh uh, yeah, well, yeah. Daryl Ray. Well, okay, yeah. So, the, yeah. but there's a couple. You're right, but but not many did it as yeah. long as he did, if any.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, you know he's. Randy was just saying, there's no way we can compete with this because we're just a different marketplace in Florida. Like, we've to doing a golf tournament. There's golf tournaments every day, not every Monday, every day because of the weather. Right. You know, so just there's so much to do down there. He said uh, we brought back, they went to the finals one year, the Rats, if everybody remembers. Yep. And uh, they brought back that team and did an alumni game, and 400 people showed up. Hmm. <laughs> It's just a different marketplace. So, you know, we may not even have an alumni event,
0: which yeah. is
1: fine. If that's, if it doesn't work. It doesn't work.
0: But, but it does speak volumes, too, though, to to the continued efforts and role and and, and the importance of uh, of teams with their alumni associations working together. Because yeah. we've, we've seen the impact that's- in Chicago and in Long Island when they've decided to reopen the door and make alumni part of what they're doing. Yeah, the changes. you, you know, it's an
1: easy marketing tool, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And the guys want to do it, you know. But sometimes you get lucky. Like last year, our golf tournament, remember this, but we won the Stanley Cup on June 12th, right? Yep. On June 13th, the alumni had a dinner for their golf tournament, which was going to be on the 14th, a dinner and auction. And Layla came to that. And on the 14th of the golf tournament, they brought the Stanley Cup out, and everybody got a picture of it. Nice timing, right?
0: Uh, perfect, <laughs> Perfect timing. What did it mean to you personally to see this team win a Stanley Cup? Oh my gosh! Uh,
1: well, for a long time, it's just so surreal. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to go to Boston for Game Seven. Um, my son wanted to go. I just said, "I'm owing five in my last five road games."
0: <laughs> Sorry about
1: being superstitious. <laughs> I said, "I'd rather just sit down and watch it with you at, at home." So when we won it, even that, I, I was for some reason I was in a quiet calm during that whole game. I don't know why I hadn't felt like it all playoffs. I didn't jump up and down when we scored. I high fived them, but you know, I just felt these guys have got it from what they've gone through and getting blown out the game before and everything else. It was just so surreal at first, but I think more than anything, for the fans uh, of St. Louis who supported this team through 52 years, some tough times, uh, I couldn't be happier for them, and you know the ownership group and the players, of course. And um, you know we we took the Stanley Cup around a number of different places, and we we're in this uh, bar, and maybe you've heard this story from Chaser, but this guy in the back is crying, older gentleman. Go back there and what's wrong? He said, "Well, the last time I saw the Stanley Cup was in uh, the Montreal Canadiens' locker room at our old arena. I was an usher." And I was on their door. I never thought I'd see it again. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just sitting there crying.
0: That's a that's a <laughs> great story. Bruce, it's been awesome yeah. catching up with you here for this hour and uh, kind of uh, not only reconnecting, but maybe introducing you to some uh, fans that don't know all the many different important roles that you play with the team, but such an important part of, of this team's history and connecting with the community of fans. Uh, and we appreciate everything you do. And, and, uh, and and best of luck as we continue to work through uh, the situation that everyone's dealing with.
1: I appreciate it, Curbs. Uh, everybody stay, uh, stay safe and stay well.
0: That is Bruce Affleck, and that wraps up tonight's program. of The Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Ben show comes your way every Wednesday night from 6 to 7 p.m. here on 101 tomorrow night, 6 o'clock. A new pregame show followed by the play-by-play of Game 3 from last season between the Blues and the Dallas Stars as we bring you every single Blues win plus the hand pass game from last season Stanley Cups playoffs on Thursdays and Friday nights throughout this pause in the NHL season is Play Gloria. That is brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating and also by McDonald's and that comes your way Thursday and Friday nights with the pregame show starting at 6 in the play-by-play at 7 o'clock. Again, thanks for tuning in here on a Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your evening, everybody, and we'll see you all tomorrow night.